Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Welcome, Jim. I thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about uh, Syria, get a sit rep on, on what's going on there. Uh, in fact, there's a lot, isn't there? Uh, well, yes and no. Basically, Syria, the war is not over. Uh, there are three separate, uh, how should I put it, uh, parts of Syria, uh, only one of which, which is about two-thirds of the territory, is under the control of the Syrian government and the Iranians. Uh, the uh, Kurds up in the northeast are still chasing down stray ISIL uh, you know, groups. Uh, in fact, they, uh, they are still carrying out um, suicide attacks. Uh, again, mainly against the Kurds, obviously. Um, the uh, Russians resumed bombing uh, Idlib, that's the province up in the northwest, uh, where the uh, remaining uh, al-Qaeda factions are. Now, the factions are also fighting each other. Um, the uh, And it's still not decided if they're going to attack. But what they are doing is putting pressure on the Turks uh, who are trying to establish some kind of ceasefire um, to uh, to basically uh, go along with an attack. The Turks don't want that because a lot of the refugees are going to head for Turkey. Now, they probably wouldn't get through, not many of them, because they built a wall. Sometimes walls do work. Um, and the Turks are determined uh, not to have any more. Now, the Turks at the same time are offering a lot of the uh, Syrian refugees who are almost entirely Sunni uh, Muslims, uh, you know, a pathway, as it were, to um, Turkish citizenship. Uh, Turkey already has a large uh, Arab minority. Um, and uh, as long as they have those refugees, they can extort billions of dollars from the EU. They are regularly getting paid for that, for keeping their border with, uh, uh, with Greece uh, closed. Um, so the war isn't over yet. And it's still unclear. You know, it basically comes down to the Turks and the uh, and the Iranians. Oh yes, and the uh, the what do you call it? The Israelis just bombed uh, a uh, Iranian base up, up by Aleppo uh, yesterday or today. Uh, so that's firing up again. The uh, Iranians are still bringing in weapons. They're just doing it more discreetly. For example, they're bringing in the uh, what do you call it? The the uh, GPS. Uh, for converting the uh, longer-range missiles to guided missiles, uh, and they're bringing them in civilian luggage on passenger flights. The Israelis aren't, you know, going after them. Um, and uh, they're trying to bring in more material by sea, which is difficult because there's a blockade there. The Israelis are right there. Uh, the Syria is running out of oil because the oil embargo on Iran is working. Um, so the country's still a mess. The Iranians have uh, announced that they're going to build 200,000 housing units, and, the, and they're going to be basically in and around Damascus. And I suspect most of them are going to go to the Iranian mercenaries, uh, including a lot of Afghans, who have been invited to settle in, um, in Syria. How's that for occupation? Um, the uh, Lebanese uh, uh, Hezbollah is complaining that they haven't got any money 
Uh, that's because the uh, Iranians have apparently cut the budget for uh, Syria and uh, Hezbollah because they have unrest back in Iran, uh, which is not abated. So there's, you know, this is a very complicated situation. Um, it's it's not changing quickly. That's the thing. It's not a headline maker, except for the occasional Israeli, you know, airstrike, which always, you know, uh, gets headlines. Um, and uh, the uh, the Turks, the Iranians, and the Russians, uh, and the Syrians, just for a show, have been uh, meeting regularly, trying to you know work things out. You know, but it hasn't worked. Oh, and this is interesting. Assad, at the end of February, made his first foreign visit since 2011. Um, and he basically spent a few days in Iran, you know, kissing the appropriate rings or whatever he kissed, uh, to basically assure his masters that he is indeed going to do what they want him to do. There is some concern because the Arab League had made noises to uh, Syria that they'd let them rejoin the Arab League. Uh, the Saudis have made noises about, hey, we'll give you billions of dollars to rebuild. And the Iranians apparently told them, we'll cut your throat uh, if you do any of that. And uh, so guess who's more convincing? Um, so basically, the situation hasn't changed that much. Uh, there's not a lot of fighting going on. Uh, most of the casualties are civilians killed by the Russian bombing. Uh, uh, the uh, Americans uh, and the the American Air Coalition is still flying missions over Syria, but there are very few targets. The uh, we still have troops with the uh, SDF, the Kurdish-led uh, militia, which is about eighty percent, you know, Kurdish. But there's still a lot of Arabs and and Turk, Turkic and various other minorities uh, there with them. They've always gotten along together in the Northeast, where the Kurds have been a majority. Uh, the Kurds have made approaches to Assad about, hey, let's do a uh, an autonomy deal, something like uh, in uh, in Iraq. Uh, the Turks have said, don't you dare. The Turks are still threatening to basically move east across the Euphrates and and grant and establish their security zone uh, 30 kilometers, you know, from the uh, into uh, Syria all, all along the border. But so far, they haven't done that because they basically don't want a bloodbath. Oh, and of course, in Turkey, there's elections and the uh, the, the Islamic Party may lose. Uh, so that's got the, the Turks nervous because if they get a, a new government, uh, that changes the whole thing. In fact, the Turks might just say, screw it, we're, we're pulling out. Uh, Bye-bye, good luck. Uh, we're going to build more walls. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. Now... What are the chances of Russian troops staying in Syria after everything settles down even more? That's pretty much 100% because they, they signed treaties with, uh, uh, with Syria, with the, the government of Syria. This is all done officially. Uh, they get the use of a port in Tartus. That's one of the, the, the ports on the, uh, the uh, Syrian coast. And they have the Heminen uh, Air Base, which they've taken over. That's where most of their air operations uh, come up from. The, uh, the, the Russians are willing to stay. They're willing to supply. They're already supplying a lot of military equipment and tech support. They're, they're not giving the Syrians a lot of money, per se. But they do have, the Russians do have a lot of spare parts for the older Cold War era uh, equipment. 
that, that, that the Syrians still have left. Uh, we ran a piece in Strategy Page recently on rebuilding the, uh, the Syrian Armored Force, and the Russians did give the Syrians some T-90 tanks, but that was mainly for fuel testing. And they found out they needed an active protection system, which, of course, the Israelis have the best ones, but they're not selling to the Russians. Um, and um, uh, because the... Uh, uh, the T-90s were vulnerable to the old tow, American tow uh, anti-tank missile, which is the primary one that, that you'll encounter uh, inside uh, Syria. Either the American, the original American version, which we gave to the uh, some of the rebel uh, groups, and the uh, the Iranians have a knockoff. They basically cloned it, and it's close enough. I mean, heck, it's 50-year-old technology. Um, but the beauty of the uh, the tow is it's wire guided. So you can't uh, use one of these new electronic uh, disruptors, protection systems, which work pretty well. Uh, but that's only if you're using an electronic uh, or, or not using a fire and forget. Uh, these disruptors are, are apparently have a hard time once they've uh, – uh, the, uh, the latest anti-tank missiles, uh, basically the, uh, the gunner uh, gets the image of the vehicle. It, uh, it's stored in the, if, it, if it can be found in the, uh, the uh, fire control, uh, missile fire control systems uh, database. It acknowledges, he clicks and fires, and basically the missile just homes in on an image. Um, that is, can, be, can be disrupted, but it's more difficult. So anyway, the T-90 is vulnerable, but otherwise it works. But then, of course, the thing is, the T-90 is basically another improved T-72. And even the Russians put, they bought some, uh, but they put most of them into storage and they're using another cheaper version of improved T-72. So basically the Russians are giving the, the Syrians all the, the spare parts uh, from, you know, unused. They, they, the Russians don't throw anything away. Um, and uh, a few people in there to help them uh, repair. But the Syrians are basically doing all the repairs themselves. But basically, they're only ha they're only going to end up at best with about 20% of the uh, the armored force they had uh, before the uh, the war. So they're <laughs> they're now they're no longer a threat to uh, Israel as they were in 2011. Uh, the big uh, problem is the Iranians who want to basically upgrade a lot more, a lot of the uh, the longer range, you know, 100 or more kilometer range uh, ballistic missiles or long range rockets uh, that they've already supplied to Hezbollah. Um, and the Syrians have some too. And the, uh, the Israelis uh, appear to have a understanding with Russia when they launch... Um, attacks, airstrikes, uh, because the Russians basically don't complain as much. The Russians and the Iranians are not getting along. Uh, they have arguments. Uh, for example, the, uh, the Iranians want to sign a deal with Syria to get uh, port use, even though they're un and, you know, under embargo. And there'd be a lot of, uh, you know, uh, how should I put it, uh, countries objecting to that. Um, uh, and obviously, the uh, the Iranians wanted to be sure that Assad realized who he was reporting to. Thus, the visit to uh, um, uh, to uh, Iran. Uh, but you know, it, it's still a mess. The war is not over, and uh, basically, the final act, as it were, is stalled. So it's a basic snafu situation. Normal all fouled up. 
Now, one of the things is that ISIL has been declared defeated, but is there a chance that they will reconstitute themselves there in Syria again, or is there another country that they're going to try to put their their base at? Well, the, the only, the most likely place where they might establish a base is Afghanistan, of all places. Uh, every place else, every place else that they've tried, they've run into heavy resistance. Uh, and Afghanistan is not an ideal place for a base because it's really out of the way. Uh, if they're there, they have to keep a low profile. They're under constant attack by other. Uh, Islamic uh, terrorist groups, uh, even even Al even Al Qaeda faction, which is welcome in um, uh, in, Afga in Afghanistan, is constantly fighting with them. Taliban is constantly fighting with them. Uh, the pariahs, but the idea of uh, ISIL, in other words, we are the baddest are the, of the baddest. We are the we are the most Islamic of Islamic terrorist groups who are basically defending Islam mainly from other Muslims. Um, and uh, they are attracting all the people who are disaffected with other groups. So they get a, basically all the other Islamic terror groups, and there are a lot of them around still. Uh, basically, if you join and you feel that your guys are not fanatic enough, uh, there's usually an ISIL faction around. I mean, even, even the Philippines has a small one. Uh, so a lot of the surviving ISIL personnel in Syria and even Iraq are looking for another place to go, someplace that's less dangerous because their lifespans in places like Syria and Iraq are low. Uh, now, another interesting, oh, this is talking about ISIL personnel, uh, the families, the, uh, these, these, the SDF has a large refugee camp uh, which has about 70,000 people on it. These are civilians that came out of the, uh, the ISIL you know, territory as it, was, as it shrank. Uh, they would usually, if they always made the offer uh, of, um, you know, send out the women and children and, and we'll basically safeguard them. And they have. But as has been in the news about, you know, European countries, you know, canceling the citizenship of, uh, of women or sometimes girls, uh, teenagers, who went, went to Syria and married, you know, uh, ISIL guys who may then proceeded to get themselves killed, um, they are still fanatics. And it's a big problem in the camps where these women, uh, you know, it reminds me of World War II, <coughs> where the, uh, the POW camps, we uh, had to eventually separate the Nazis from the majority of Germans who were not Nazis. Uh, it was a huge problem. Same thing in the Korea War. We found out uh, when we captured a lot of North Koreans or Chinese, we had to separate the, uh, the hardcore communists uh, from the average guy who didn't want to be there in, you know, in, in Korea in the first place or in a war. Um, so that's not a new problem. But uh, they, are, they are desperately trying to unload uh, these uh, uh, you know, civilian uh, refugees, most of whom are technically not Syrian. You know, if the Syrian they can hand them over to Assad, he'd be glad to kill most of them. You know, uh, turn the children, put the children in an orphanage or something like that. Who knows? I mean, they can be pretty brutal over there. Uh, you know, Westerners have a hard time coming to grips with that. That a lot of countries in you know, the Middle East, and including China and Russia, 
they still believe it's perfectly okay to go after the civilian population. I mean, this has been military strategy 101 for thousands of years. You know, since you, I think even Machiavelli said, well, yes, you know, go, uh, ravish their lands and force them to, uh, uh, you know, to make make peace deal. Um, and this is still, you know, the commonly accepted way to go about, you know, fighting a war in most of the world. Um, and uh, that's why most of the targets the Russians are hitting in, in Idlib uh, province are civilians. Uh, if, they, if they can cause a panic, they can basically uh, get the... Um, uh, civilians to stampede for uh, for uh, Turkey, but the Turkey's Turks have several lines of defenses, as it were, uh, to discourage that. And the Turks apparently are not unwilling uh, to uh, shoot, you know, uh, women and children uh, trying to get in. Uh, there are precious few men left, and of course, if they if they try and get out, uh, the Turks will just you know try them or turn them over to the uh, the Syrians uh, to do it. So there's no way out for these guys. But there are still plenty of young men in the Middle East and Muslims who are willing to uh, basically do a little suicide mission. That's basically what it amounts to. You know, you're a hero for a while, then you're dead. Uh, go figure. But uh, that's oh, that's been a problem with Islam for over a thousand years. They don't like to talk about it. I mean, they do talk about it among themselves. It's showing up a lot in the uh, in the uh, Muslim majority countries in the media. Uh, but it never it rarely gets picked up by the Western media. You know, it's not part of the narrative or whatever. You know, we don't like to acknowledge that that sort of thing goes on. Uh, the only place where you'll find regular translations easily available is the Israelis, the Palestinian Media Watch. They have a website, I think. But they regularly, uh, you know, uh, pass out uh, to the Western media uh, the latest translations. And this will turn your stomach. You know, the way they encourage kids, you know, to become suicide bombers. Um, uh, I mean, it, it just has an example of, of the mentality we're dealing with here and why there's always going to be an ISIL. Um, the Palestinians had had their uh, aid cut off because it's become a, you know, widely known. It's been going on for years, but it's become widely known because of uh, Palestinian Media Watch and, and other outlets in Israel um, that the... Uh, uh, the Palestinians, the Fatah in uh, in uh, the West Bank, and Hamas does this as well. Uh, they spend a lot of their foreign aid uh, in paying uh, monthly payments uh, to uh, imprisoned terrorists, and uh, they pay large sums of money and pensions to widows of dead terrorists. Uh, and when the money got tight recently. Uh, the, the Fatah said to their uh, civil servants, because they basically administer much of the West, most of the West Bank, they said, we're going to have to cut your pay so we can maintain the payments to our, our heroes in jail, you know, or their families. Uh, you know, that basically the, the, the heroic and much honored and, and, and regularly paid terrorists. So that's what you're dealing with. Um, and that's why ISIL is not going to disappear. It is generally reviled by most Muslim countries uh, because of their brutality. In fact, this has been a debate going on inside the, uh, the Islamic you know, terrorist organizations uh, since al-Qaeda got hammered in Iraq in 07 and 08. Uh, they, they are basically advising, don't kill a lot of civilians. You know, even now, in the last 10 years, uh, something like 90% of the uh, the people killed by Islamic terrorists have been other Muslims. 
either, you know, deliberately because they're she or there's some flavor of Muslim that they don't agree with, they consider heretics, uh, or simply because they got in the way. And ISIL calls them uh, involuntary martyrs, uh, which doesn't go down well with the potential involuntary martyrs. Uh, that's why uh, Al-Qaeda quickly disappeared from Saudi Arabia after 2004, I think. Uh, Saudi Arabia tolerated them until we invaded Iraq. And then the, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda insisted that Saudi Arabia declare war in the United States. Um, that didn't happen. So they decided to go and attack targets, which they had never done before uh, in Saudi Arabia. And, of course, the Saudi population suddenly found out that, uh, you know, we no longer support Islamic terrorism, especially if it's against us. And poof, they all went to Yemen, which is where, which is even there in Yemen. There are very few uh, Islamic, you know, ISIL uh, operate ISIL personnel operational. So they are still around. They are still considered heroes uh, by a, a fairly significant minority of, of uh, Muslims. I mean, this has been shown again and again uh, in opinion surveys uh, in Europe uh, and even in North America. Uh, now, it's a small percentage, but when you're talking, you know, uh, more than 1% of, you know, hundreds of, you know, well, let me see, you've got, what, 40 million Muslims in Western countries, you know, 1% of that, that's a large number. Uh, these are people, and, and the various degrees of support. So, you know, it's probably more than 10% will tolerate, you know, uh, uh, Muslims attacking, you know, non-Muslims to, to uh, or using violence in defense of Islam. Um, so, no, ISIL is not going to go away. It's getting smaller. It's going to stay smaller. It's always been there uh, before. Uh, all the oil money came along and you had uh, mass media and all the and satellite TV uh, in Muslim nations. You simply didn't hear about it. Uh, our coverage of uh, Pakistan shows that the, uh, the Muslim on Muslim violence was there from the beginning. As soon as they created Pakistan, you had this huge uh, transfer of populations, you know, non-Muslims going from Pakistan to India and, Mo and some Muslims going from uh, India into Pakistan. Uh, the Muslims coming from India were never totally accepted. They're still considered outsiders, even though they are Sunni Muslims. Um, and there are still terrorist groups that have, have been since the late 1940s uh, in Pakistan, which will murder uh, these other, you know, Muslims because they're not our kind of Muslims. So this is the mentality. It, you know, the Quran, Islam is the only major religion which still has scripture that explicitly, you know, justifies, you know, this sort of violence. Uh, you know, every other major religion, you know, says, you know, you got to fight back, yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, for example, the Christians have uh, Jesus saying, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God. In other words, he recognized the existence of church and state. Uh, you know, we believe you should lead a good Christian life, but that doesn't mean you get ruled by a, a, a bishop or a pope or whatever, uh, which is the propaganda that Protestants for long, many of them still do, used against the Catholics that they, that somehow the papacy was to, you know, revive the whole Roman Empire, uh, where the pope thought he had a lot of authority, but never did. Um, so Islam doesn't have a pope. They don't have any unified, you know, uh, uh, you know, authority. Uh, 
with the possible exception of the religious schools uh, in in Egypt, but even then, their influence is limited. They're very they're very knowledgeable on the Quran and interpretations or what have you, but you know you don't have to listen to them, um, and so you're always going to have it, and it's basically a side effect of affluence. Uh, in the Muslim countries, a lot of the oil money was not spent on developing the economy. This is a problem they're now trying to rectify because the oil is going to be running out. You know, if somebody finally comes up with a, a efficient fusion, you know, uh, 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 you know, power generation system, it's all over for anybody who's dependent on oil. Um, but uh, the only good thing you can say is the latest generation of Muslim rulers, you know, in many countries who are dependent on oil are trying to do something about this, but you can't automatically undo, you know, uh, decades, a couple generations of uh, young Muslims who had the option of basically studying religion, you know, getting a do-nothing government job and uh, going to the mosque every Friday and getting harangued about how we really should do something about these non-Muslims, they shouldn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's vile stuff. I've had, I've had friends, you know, in New York, uh, you know, what I call, you know, the uh, dual culture, bi- bicultural, you know, the basically Arabs or whatever, uh, or Malay- uh, Malaysians uh, who uh, work on Wall Street or pass through. And I meet them at parties. They usually have a drink in their hands. So, you, you know, to show that they're uh, they're not hardcore, if nothing else, and or they just like good scotch. And, uh, and they'll go on about it. It's a hassle. You know, whenever they go back home, they got to basically change their lifestyle because it's a whole different mentality there. Uh, they can they can criticize off the record, you know, this uh, ISIL and all this, you know, Islamic terrorism. But you go back home and you basically keep your mouth shut because you're suspect for just spending so much time in the West, you know, wearing Western clothes, doing business with the Kafirs, you know, the not the, the uh, you know the non-believers. Uh, so the problem is there. And basically, it's easier to become an Islamic terrorist these days because there's more money floating around in Muslim countries for, you know, you can shake down a wealthy uh, Muslim. And it, this, this is an art form in, in, in the Gulf uh, oil states. Uh, you know, basically, it's like the, the pre, you know, the before the Reformation selling indulgences. Uh, you know, the uh, the Mujahideen, you know, soldier of God comes up to you and says, gee, you know, I think... You have a much better reputation from by our group if you gave money to our charity, and boom, you got more payroll for uh, Islamic terrorists. Uh, so no, ISIL is always going to be around, but because they have made themselves persona non grata with the majority, the vast majority of Muslims, including you know Islamic conservatives. Um, they are going to have a difficult time establishing uh, territory they control, but they're going to still keep killing people. And most of those people are going to be other Muslims. So there you go. It ain't over. It'll never be as far as we can tell. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up there and uh, talk to you next time. Take care. All right. Bye.